no matter how much you want to see it, you, you just can't. But it's also significant for you to find that conscious awareness. Okay, this is where I am now, but this is not where I want to be. And how do I get myself out there? Thank you, Jill. How's everything? Good. Well, I guess it's not morning where you're at, right? No, no. It's actually four o'clock for me right now. <laughs> well, it's five only... is actually five, five. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so good evening, <laughs> I should say. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm so excited that you're here um, on Beyond, Beyond Boundaries with us, where we are, um, you know, giving inspiration to those people uh, out there that, you know, may have limitations or feel that they have limitations in their life and they you know regardless of their location where they were born and or their family or maybe something tragic or challenges have come up in their in their lives that they actually want to show them they actually can accomplish anything it doesn't matter it's it's really just mindset and and putting your thoughts and words into action so and you are a true testament of you know, living this life that, you know, you weren't, you know, hand delivered. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, I consider you a friend and I'm so, I'm so happy to share your story today. You are, you're actually making a plan to go out and speak around the country and mm -hmm. you have public speaking events. You are a digital marketing master. You also, <laughs> talk about faith and putting fear inside of people to let them know that they can accomplish anything. And it's just really exciting to have you on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you. The The pleasure is mine. Uh, it's it's quite an honor, actually. Uh, so I'm, I'm grateful to be here to get a chance for us to continue the conversations, um, especially from the times when we, we got the chance to meet. And I think that connection is what really led us here. And so Oh uh, yeah, as you said, that's uh, definitely not been a journey that's easy. Uh, there's been some challenges along the way, and uh, definitely had some bumps on the roads. But so far, it's it's been great of uh, an experience to get through. And so for me, it's been on the foundation of my faith. Right? And so um, at a position where I feel I can really get a chance to give back to people, as far as share my story really diving deeper to where I'm from, what that looks like, but then also where I'm going. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here and excited for us to continue the conversation. Sounds great. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's talk about, let's go all the way back. Let's talk mm -hmm. about your childhood. And, you know, when we spoke, we didn't really go into details. So I'm really interested to find out what, what it looked like for you as a child, tell everybody where you were born and what, you know, what your lifestyle was like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was originally born in Haiti. Uh, I came to the States about 12 years ago now. I uh, came after the major earthquake that took place in Haiti. Uh, if anyone out there remembers, or if you remember, Jill, but uh, back in 2010, a uh, major earthquake that basically devastated the entire country. Um, I actually lost my house completely down there. And um which was crazy at the time because 
I was roughly in my early teenage years trying to get to find out myself, my life. But um, anyway, I got the opportunity to move to the States a year later, um, pursue my education and being around my parents and getting an opportunity to really get a second chance of life is what I call it because part of the, the story and how it goes is that when the event took place, it was one of the major catastrophic events you can only imagine that took place in, in a country. But I was coming from school, about to head home, and I was going to be one of the next students to be dropped. And so at that time, the only reason why I didn't make it home where I probably wouldn't be here talking to you is because the car got into an accident. Um, and in Haiti, the way in which accidents are involved, depending on how bad it was, which wasn't a crazy accident, but somebody rear-ended us. And the drivers basically were just talking it out, yelling at each other, crazily enough. But during that time spent, which was roughly about 30 minutes or so of them going at it, trying to understand why'd you hit me and whatnot, um, really slowed down everything for me to be dropped home. Um, and that was kind of like the the bus school system we had. And um, as we were getting ready to hit back the road and it just, the earth just started shaking, right? It just felt like as if everything stopped. And uh, from where we were, we had probably a three to 10 story building that was on the roads. Like imagine you're on the highway and you can see one of those high buildings next to you. And it felt like the building was actually coming down. And and, and you see in the movies, the, the, the buildings are coming down and people like just like, oh, my God, like trying to get out. But they, they're not moving and it felt like that. But um, long story short, just sort of happens that it stopped, went back to its original place. And in that moment, within a 30 second, uh, we heard an explosion. Uh, there was a gas station that was uh, probably several hundred feet that got ex that exploded and just saw people running and yelling and say, oh my God, this is the end of the world. This is the end of the world. And thinking that quite literally it was the end of the world for us, at least the end of our world. Um, and so anyway, long story short, which prevented me from getting dropped home, which basically gave me another opportunity at life. And for me at that time, it really felt my first uh, discovery of um, my relationship with God, because it was kind of like, oh, my God, like if I actually did not get to perish from this tragic accident um this was an opportunity at a second life and so I grew up in a really religious background uh household uh we grew up Catholic we were raised Catholic um actually I got the opportunity to attend a private Catholic school there um and that was kind of like my formation at the at the beginning stage but I never quite really felt I had a personal relationship with God I mean we're simple um household I'm the only child but it was almost always um 
pushed down my throat, if you'd say, right? All this God talk. And I mean, we go to church to my first communion and all that. But it was like, yeah, I get it. But I needed to know God for myself, right? And I think that was somewhat the beginning stage of me getting to know that there is a God. And if there is a God that I do have an opportunity at a second chance of life. And so what can I do out of it and how can I make it meaningful? And uh, once I got to the U.S., I finished my high school career, uh, went to uh, the University of Connecticut for my degree, uh, which was in initially in computing, but ended up with uh, an economics degree. And um, during that period of time, actually, is really where I started questioning everything and and searching for meaning and asking myself, okay, what am I here for? And all these existential questions. Uh, I mean, you look, what, 18, 20 year old, trying to figure out yourself, right? So anyway, all this period, I felt like I was building my own narrative. I was writing my own story. I was getting to know who I am and what God wanted me to be. And um, now after getting the chance to work in different spaces from um, banking to retail and even got a chance to work with uh, um, within real estate and somebody was a dear friend of ours, Ken Jocelyn and several other people into the space where I got to do insurance where now I am uh, starting my own business and I am offering services for other people in regards to helping them write their own stories, build their own narratives, do digital social media marketing, and ultimately um, speaking and getting a chance to share my story with others and helping them protect themselves, their assets in different shape or forms. I'm still involved in the insurance industry. And so, um, yeah, the, the background, I know I kind of went on a rampage, but it really started uh, while I was in Haiti and uh, just trying to find meaning and who I am and who I wanted to become and what God wanted for me. And so now I'm in a position where I get a chance to give back to others and really help them in the best ways that I can. One of the, the common things that I'm finding as I'm doing these chats with people that have achieved great things or they're on their way of achieving their goals and they've come from you know, some difficult place, mm -hmm. the one thing that kind of catapulted it is doing it to help other people. Mm -hmm. It's never, I never once have, I haven't had anybody tell me I wanted to be rich or I want more um, material things, or I want to show off my wealth. It's always about helping other people. And yeah. it's, it's, that's such a cool concept because if you, mm -hmm. you know, put yourself out there and that's your ultimate goal, you don't know how that's going to look, but if you're helping others, then the universe provides somehow. Agreed, agreed. I think the intention has to be pure, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you genuinely care about other people and want to do best by others and really do right by them, you will be rewarded by uh, by the universe and how just, you know, getting the opportunity to, it's whatever you reap, you sow, right? It's, right. it's <laughs> you reap whatever you sow. And I, I generally believe that that's uh, just how it works and how God comes to show himself in, in, in people. 
um, I just want to kind of like, let's circle back to that day that you were, you know, on your way to your home and the earthquake happened. Just kind of, just so people can understand, like what actually, what is going on in your head? Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. So, you know, just thinking back, I think I just couldn't wait to get home. Uh, but it was such a weird time frame around then because it was the beginning of the school year and it was the second semester of the school year. I mean, we say not semester, but quarter of the school year um, at that time. And um, for us, I mean, this was 2010, right? So it, it, I'm sure back then in the US, there was a lot of changes. There was a lot of changes that was even taking place in the country. And I just remember that it felt as if the change that was going to take place was going to be massive. And I didn't know to what scale. And quite frankly, the day of, we were studying about um, natural disasters. That was the first time to a level where I was in seventh grade mm -hmm. at the time. Okay. So and we're studying natural disasters in my civic class. And I remember this vividly. And uh, I had just gotten a phone as a seventh grader. And um, quick, funny story. The night before, my mom <laughs> had this dream. So, like, if you ever know anything about the Haitian culture, you always hear or maybe hear uh, the the moms having dreams. Or they'll, you'll hear people say, oh, if your mom had a dream the night before you go out you're not going out <laughs> okay so forget it sometimes it comes out of fear but sometimes there's these things that it's almost like supernatural that gives you these predictions to some extent and she felt like she had lost something and there was something that was bound to happen and, and there was all these weird tension that really like kind of questioning what was taking place in terms of a change and here i am learning about civic and natural disasters in civic class and Whatnot. So getting back home, uh, on my way home, all I was thinking about was, huh, I can't wait to talk to my mom about what I've learned today in school, because it was all these things I never learned about before. And yet, what was going to be taking place was a massive natural disaster. So I, I can't quite pinpoint when the actual moment of sharing conversations with friends and, and other uh, students that were there. But I remember just having to expand on the notion that we're all going to a different stage of our lives. And, and seventh, as a seventh grader, it was like our equivalent of high school mm -hmm. and trying to understand yourself better. And so just trying to get home and afterwards, it's like, oh, my God, boom, earthquake. And then everything stopped. And in there, I can't even make a phone call because all lines of your communications have been stopped. The towers of the uh, communication signals that allows us to communicate, we lost that connection. So I can't call home. And I'm thinking... Okay, that's it. My mom probably died. 
Um, other loved ones probably died because, um, quite frankly, afterwards, unfortunately, someone did pass away. We did lose a loved one, and it used to be this person that lived with us on uh, the house. And um, prior to when we got there, I thought that person was still alive. If anything, I thought my mom didn't make it because she had just came from a surgery around that time. And she was home recovering from the hospital. But something told her to get out the house. And she just felt like she heard this voice to get me cereal for the morning so that I have cereal. But we had food at the house. There's no need for me to even have additional. But you know how moms, right? You Moms have these natural instincts, right? I mean, yeah, our intuition you, you, is very strong. Right. So you, you could attest to that, Jill. And, and there's these... You feel like sometimes you, you need to do, get this done and you're going to get it done no matter what, however you're feeling, right? So, and that's how she felt. She got out and that's how she was able to live because we lost the house completely. I mean, imagine you walking on top of the house, just like you were walking on top of the street. So it was completely collapsed. And um, so when I mean, you approached your home that first time and you saw it, Oh, like you, you probably can't get that out of your mind. Um, no, I was bawling. I, I couldn't even get in there anymore because one, so on our way there, after after the earthquake happened, right? And what was the protocol? There's no such protocol. You can't really control this thing. This is just happening. But the driver had a bus aid, like you, someone else to assist us to get to places, right? Just like we have here in America. And um, as we're driving along the road, we're seeing corpses everywhere. People, I know this is basically graphic, but just imagine side of the road, you see bodies. And, and But like our road was completely like open. Um, and as I'm approaching my home, I'm thinking I'm probably going to see the same thing towards my mom because she's not responding we can't communicate and i know she just had a surgery so there's no way she's i'm expecting her to be alive and um i hear this voice too this was a real person though it's my cousin who heard my steps or heard my voice because they were out looking for me and so from the time frame the earthquake happened to when i got there i mean it was about roughly 30 minutes and a car as a drive, but which ended up being three to four hours of a walking distance. So this was late in the evening when I'm like getting to where my house was. And I hear my cousin calling my name because he hears my voice and I run towards him. And I'm like, did my mom die? Did my mom die? And he's like, no, but uh, the other person did. And um, and so I didn't see my mom yelling and tears running down her eyes and running towards me and I'm running towards her tears down coming down my eyes and I'm like oh my god I thought you died and she's like no but so and so did and our house, you can't get in there because it's collapsed. And the doorway to 
look to see over where the house was. You can see all the debris and all everything collapsing that's down there, all the dirt. And it was just unimaginable that the house itself was to that degree. And it was the only house in the neighborhood that actually collapsed to that degree. Every other house stayed. A couple others were somewhat damaged, but ours was the only one that actually collapsed. So as I said, it was completely a second chance of life. Wow. And mm -hmm. I know there were a lot of people that that died in that earthquake, and it was oh, absolutely, it was terrible, oh, terrible crazy, event that crazy, happened. Crazy, crazy. When after after that, so your life is what? Does it get back to normal quickly? There's, I mean, where do you there's live no normal. Yeah. There's no normal anymore. Yeah, <laughs> we sense this loss of normalcy, and so for people that lost their homes, all you could do was literally sleep on the street. And so the night of earthquake was still shaking. The I mean, it was still happening. The earth was still shaking because uh, I don't know what it's called, but after yeah, so that was still taking place. Um, and um, there was this church nearby that was down the street from us. Um, we literally slept in front of the church, and there was a bunch of rocks in front of there. We couldn't even get inside because there were too many people. And people didn't really want to be anywhere where there were other sort of constructions because you were afraid that they might fall on you. Mm -hmm. So um, the lifestyle was finding somewhat of a refugee camp to some degree, you could say. Um, we had slept on the floor the night of, looked for the friends and family we knew of in the area, whatever we can find, people and there was a hospital nearby with um, terrain, basically a field where people could host tents. Mm -hmm. And I think the Red Cross, if I'm not mistaken, or other UNICEF or other organizations that had already came down providing tents and some form of resources for people. And that's what you would see on TV where all the people that lost everything would be living inside these tents until somewhat they could find recovery. And I, my mom, um, and other family members were living in tents uh, for a while before I could somewhat find what normalcy was. And normalcy didn't translate to some degree later on because there was no such thing until another family member who actually had uh, an organization that she was a part of um, that had uh, other forms of rescue tents that were at a bigger stage that could host more people uh, that allowed us to find a space to stay with them for a while um, until I can find somewhere else to stay. I don't think I ever found another home um, until there, really, until I came here, because I'd say a year later, is when I moved here. So that was the new beginning of my normalcy. But before that, during that time period, we were living from tent to tent until I stayed over uh, at that family's uh, member's household, you could call it, where she hosted other people um, for a while. Yeah. So it sounds like you had a pretty good community, like everyone came together. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that I would say is probably the biggest thing which I've seen now is probably more significant. And I don't think I had thought of it that way until now you you mentioned it. And it was always that communal mindset we had. That's probably what helped us then. That's helping me now. But um, it was the family members and the friends that we knew that really helped keep the community together. And everybody else had to rely on their own community to basically help support one another. Wow. Um, what? So that that next year sounded like it was pretty rough, you know, right. not really having a place to live. All of your stuff, all your oh, ev- gone. everything's gone, right? Mm-hmm. So Completely. you pretty much have nothing. 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 When you wake up every morning like that, are you what? What are you thinking? Are you thinking? gosh, why us, poor us, the, were you, did you have like, did your, you, not just you, but your community have like a victim mentality or were they like, what can we do to pivot and rebuild? Yeah, I mean, in, in, in the beginning stage, uh, you're asking all these questions. Why, how come, what is this? But it was also like survival, mm-hmm. right? You're really just trying to survive. And so there was the survival mindset. And I would say, you know, now until several months later, when people started to see the light at the end of the tunnel and their degrees of what that was and the meaning that was for them, where they could somewhat make the switch. And I think for me personally, as I was waking up every day, I was trying to figure out, you just were living day by day completely. What was the next day? going to be like and how are you going to make it through not until the other members of the community i would say really started to say listen this isn't how we want to live the rest of our lives and this isn't what we want for ourselves to be in the same situation and how can we find ways to support each other and get out of that space. And I think that's what having someone that give you a helping hand and you picking up yourself to get there really made the biggest switch because then for us, it was significant to have gotten that support early on because afterwards we were able to make our own action plan to be able to get out the the space that we were at and then afterwards figure out where we were going to stay and then how else we would be able to find ways to get out of that situation entirely and so one of the things that made the chance of me being able to live in America possible was because my dad was already residing here and so uh, of course that tragic event in itself became somewhat of a blessing within itself because it somewhat accelerated the process for me to be able to get here. And as the U.S. allowed the doors to be open more, but it was mainly because also I had the support, right? So yeah, just because you're looking for new opportunities and if you, didn't have, if you don't have any support in the process, you it may not happen. And so part of the guidelines anyway for anyone else that's looking for a refuge is to know that they're going to have some form of sponsorship 
but also knowing what they're going to be able to do with that. So in this case, being my dad, um, filing for my residency, which I was able to obtain, but then also getting me to become a effective, active member of society. And that was going to be by going to school, getting my education and being able to use that so that I can give back to some degree and being able to actually do something that's going to help me helping others. And so at its core value, I'd say it really was the support and the aspect of taking ownership and being able to use that experience for me to be able to give new meaning so that I can be where I am today. So your dad was already living in the States. How long was he in the States? Uh, At that time, he had been here for roughly five to six years I'd say so that must have been difficult too not having your dad around (laughs) oh man so you know um it's interesting that you say that because I remember having a conversation with someone else who actually didn't have a father figure at all and they felt offended when I said to them I actually felt what it was like not having a dad for a period of my life Because I would say my dad was always doing the best he can to always be present and however he could. But from seven years old, so when I was 13 years old, I was not without, I was not with my dad. And that was a different shift. It was just my mom and myself because he Mm -hmm. came here so he could help us provide a better life. Right. And so I'm the only child. I had several cousins and other people that somewhat helped play that role. But that was definitely challenging for my mom and myself because she had to do everything and I had to understand different things. And so that period of time being with my mom mainly also was teaching me a lot, but then it had some gaps. I mean, we would talk over the phone, but it's not even like now where we have FaceTime. So <laughs> that wasn't but even You didn't really know him. You No, I didn't, um, which actually created some... Uh, riffle between us when I got here because he's now asserting himself as an authority authority figure as a father upon me at 13, 14, 15, any teenager, Mm -hmm. right? You you know this. Don't even listen to the parents while they're in their teenage years. Mm -hmm. And so you don't imagine me. I'm like, well, dad, that's not how mom used to do it. Or that's not what mom would say, right? Or so it was somewhat of a challenge for us when I got here because um, he would have certain expectations or I would be used to how mom would do things. And that wasn't the case. And so it took some time for us to really get to a point where we could have certain conversations now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, anyone who uh didn't have one parent for one period of their lives to another definitely face challenges that would create ripple effects to the degree where even when they reunited right so there's there's that aspect of it as well and I think it's hard when you're young to understand the sometimes your parents have to make decisions Mm -hmm. because they're doing it for the what they believe is the best thing for the family. Correct. But meanwhile, there's, you know, that 
backlash where maybe it isn't the best thing because you're mm-hmm. separating now you're separating the family and mm-hmm. um, but he probably had very g- good intentions because he wanted to establish a life in the United States absolutely. to make a better life for you absolutely you know and it's hard for you to see that as a child do you see yeah, it now absolutely I mean I'm I'm even more grateful now for him than ever before because his health conditions have actually declined. Uh, he's had some major health conditions and I knew he had taken so much hit and he used to be a teacher in Haiti prior to when he got here. And you can only imagine if anyone was a teacher anywhere else and you come here and you're cleaning toilets, that could mess up with anybody else's frame of thoughts and how to, and so that was his first way of earning a living. And he worked as a housekeeper uh, from when he got here and did that for a while and even worked for a manufacturer um, on the produce side of things. And to a point where he was able to finally get a different source of opportunity working with kids, but as a school bus driver. Mm -hmm. And that was really his recent occupation. but now I have a lot more gratitude towards him and my mom because I understand what they had to sacrifice and they made a lot of sacrifices for me to have this opportunity so I could have a better life. And um, just recently seeing how all the sacrifices and all the uh, efforts that he made and have someone and they're packing their, their lives. And so um, and it's just one of those things where I, you know, I have nothing but gratitude for, for them, you know, mm-hmm. they must be so proud of the man that you've become, They're, Yeah, <laughs> you know, they put, they had all these struggles and they probably are now sitting back and saying it was all worth it. Look at Absolutely. the lives that our son is changing and look, look at the good that he's doing. So they must be so proud of you. Right. Right. It's, it's definitely a new, um, new beginning for us. It's definitely um, something where they're still getting used to because it's so much that is taking place and it's transforming. It's more the mindset really, because especially as I started developing into my own personal growth, Mm -hmm. I started sharing with them what I'm doing. I started showing them what I'm doing. I've got them attend the several events that I've been at. And so it's been somewhat of a change and a transformation that they're not also getting through me. And I think the biggest thing is I now understand even better what that is looks like because they used to tell me before where it was like, you are a hope, right? And so it's like such a pressure for a child, but it was like, okay, but you, what we've been working towards and, and any immigrant parent or anyone as a child where they know they've made so many sacrifices so that they can get to live through the child. And however much people could say, well, that's a lot of pressure for a child, but then also ultimately you get to see afterwards why and how is that going to affect them? Because what's happening now is the mindset that's having to shift. And that is something that we're all working on as a family. Mm-hmm. We're uh, having to really find the understanding. Okay, you know, we're here now. We're not running. 
we're not getting chased by anybody we're not (laughs) (laughs) having to worry about the fear of life or death in Mm -hmm. the craziest ways possible but at the same token what can we do with that and how can we get to really experience things that we have now and so that's been where they finding more um joy really in regards to seeing the things that I'm doing that's awesome um I think that's all we all really want is to find the joy right not to be running anymore right Right. regardless of what it is you're running from Mm -hmm. um you just you but I think that when you're in a constant state of fear or you know panic or you are running from something it's hard to shut that down when you know you're you are safe like absolutely okay now we can just grow from here we don't have exactly. to look back anymore right right and that goes for anybody really right mm-hmm. and that's one of the biggest things because your fears are what's going to stop you from doing anything mm-hmm. right and i think it's such a mindset shift because if you can understand how sometimes those fears are what's stopping you and can also be used as a motivational factor for you to switch and look beyond those fears you can really expand your possibilities because now you're looking at the possibilities ahead right and no matter how difficult things are and how challenging things are if you fully have the ability to see beyond the challenges then they have to start with your belief systems right and i think that's where most people struggle because the belief systems in which they carried on early on and having to reframe the thoughts of thinking because in the midst of the challenges you can't see it right no matter how much you want to see it you Mm -hmm. you just can't but it's also significant for you to find that conscious awareness okay this is where I am now Mm -hmm. but this is not where I want to be and how do I get myself out there okay so what do I need to change internally first and from there having to assess what would that look like of creating a game plan for you to be able to get out of that situation? And so, and I think that's really where the key is of looking beyond those fears because those are the limitations that stop you from doing anything in life, you know? And that had to be one of the biggest transformations for me as well, especially having to get over the fears of putting myself out there, mm-hmm. sharing my story, allowing myself to be able to speak in front of different people. And being able to know that I can do things as much as I'd like to, right? So I can see the possibilities. And that's been such a joy now for me to be able to tap into it instead of running away from it. Mm-hmm. What? Um, so what kind of advice would you give to somebody who is maybe kind of stuck? They know that they're, you know, in a place where they don't want to be in, they they see bigger things for themselves, but they're scared to put themselves out there. Nobody's ever told them before, hey, you can do this. Right. What advice do you give them? Yeah, um, I think anybody that is finding themselves in a place where they can't really see a light at the end of the tunnel, one of the biggest thing I would tell them is having to reassess in regards to where they are now what is causing them or preventing them from being able to even get out of that space? Because it's all of a mental problem, right? It's all your mental state. And I think um, Tony Robbins talks a lot about that, right? 
the mm -hmm. the state of, of your mental and having to understand where are you right now and how can you reassess yourself and for me one of the biggest shifts started with recognizing that the moment in which I can understand that I'm actually not stuck, I'm already free from that, is the moment in which I get to actually step out of it. Because one of the things I remember just recently, six months ago, I had found myself in that situation again. And it was having to navigate between uh, a job search and a career path and we're understanding, okay, where am I now? And what is it that I need to do? And the shift took place the moment I realized I was never stuck, right? And the challenges did look as strong as they were, but I took a conscious decision to understand that I choose to take myself out the space because I didn't have the awareness to know that I was never in a stuck place anyway. But then again, I have everything inside of me to be able to get the things that I wish to get. And so that has been the biggest things for me because now I'm going on the speaking tour. Something if you would have asked me last year and we would have this conversation, I'd be like, there's no way, Jill. I don't even think so because I wasn't even comfortable getting and staged at that space. I mean, I had gotten different speaking opportunities, but nevertheless, to those stages where I have the opportunities to do that now. So anyone else out there that is going to a place of one start, recognize that where you are is only somewhere that you are allowing yourself to be but at the end of the day you also have the ability to take yourself out of that situation right like most of the time our limitations they're just in our own head and right. you know if you peel it all apart and you really look at it from an outsider's perspective there's nothing stopping you there's nothing exactly you know, you know the I don't have enough money I don't have the support I don't have right. this I don't have that I've interviewed people that have been literally homeless living in their cars mm -hmm. and they figured out a way to do it exactly and, right and I think it com comes all the way around back to helping others because I believe if your mission is to really improve other people's lives there's going to be support behind you um it's going to be there there'll be a community of people or God or whatever you believe, there to support you if that's your true mission absolutely I, I genuinely believe however one chooses to show up for others and for themselves really speaks value in regards to what they're going to be able to do because ultimately if you allow yourself to be able to think outside of yourself and allowing yourself to take away your ego because that's also something that stopped most people. And it's the ego, right? And mm -hmm. you tell yourself you don't have any money. You tell yourself you don't have the same opportunities as other people. But really, what you're doing is you're being selfish because you're allowing your ego to take over to tell you that you can't do all these things. But ultimately, it's because you're thinking about yourself. 
Because mm -hmm. if you were thinking about other people in the first place, you would do anything and everything that you can to be able to get that done. And I think that's one of those things where I had to myself recognize that it's not about me. My story is not for me, right? So like there's people out there that needs to hear my story for them to be able to take action. And the moment in which I realized that if I don't share because I'm holding back and thinking that whatever I'm choosing to think is going to have how people think about it and versus whether or not what I'm sharing can impact someone else, then I would hold my ability to be able to actually help somebody else. But if I can make that switch, well, now I'm finding myself being able to find the support, the community and the people, because again, whatever you reap, you sow. And it has to be bigger than you. And you have to recognize that it's not about you. And there's people that needs to hear your story. And there's others that really need to be able to see other people do it for them to take action. But ultimately is taking that first step and recognize that you can do it. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and for a lot of people, it's so hard to actually take the action. They, they have this desire to do that, but then that scarcity mindset sets in and, and they're like, well, I have no money. Like how, if I quit my job and I go out and I do that purpose in life that I'm supposed to do, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to survive? How am I going to keep getting my nails done or whatever that is? How am I going to do that? And then that scarcity mindset sets in and then you never move forward. You never take those steps that you need to do. And then you wake up and it's five years later and you're still doing the same thing and you're not doing your true calling. So just get out there and do it. If you have um, if you have a true calling to help others or to do something bigger with your life, get on stages or whatever it is, do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think you find purpose. I think you find fulfillment in your purpose. Mm -hmm. right? I strongly believe that fulfillment comes to your purpose. And if you allow yourself to use that purpose to do something bigger and recognize that the calling you have towards helping other people is not about you it's about those people then ultimately everything else will come out and you'll find a way to actually get things done and so these have been you know incredible lessons of mine and and I think anyone else could relate that have gone through the same struggle and recognize that uh, once they can see the light at the end of the tunnel uh, definitely will be able to get themselves to a different place. Well, thank you so much. I love this conversation. I'm so proud of you and everything you're doing. And I can't wait to follow your journey. And um, I'm going to come out and see you one of these days. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. I'm super excited. I'm thankful as well for you for having uh, making this opportunity take its place. I think definitely there's a lot coming up uh, that I'm excited for. And Certainly love to also see you because I know you're doing some amazing things. And this new show that you got going on is going to live on forever. Mm -hmm. And so we could watch back five, 10 years from now and be like, oh, my God, this is where it all started. And so uh, congratulations on, on getting this going. And I'm sure the many more people that you're going to be getting to speak and interview on stage as well and as well as here with you. 
are going to bless you with more opportunities. So kudos to you and the rest of the Thank team. You. Thank you. If we could just change one life out there. Absolutely. You know, that's what this is all about. Yeah. I mean, seriously, uh, like we were saying, whatever you believe in becomes a reality. And mm -hmm. if you can understand how your thoughts really are driving your actions, everything you do, it's it's significant for you to be able to allow yourself to basically reprogram your subconscious mind, right? So like, yes. I genuinely believe that um, we get to get up every day, do everything that we want. But even as we were going through autopilot, as you do those things repetitively, if you can insert new information that can give you hope, that can give you the opportunities, that can allow you to take on the next thing you want to achieve, you can do it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things. <laughs> yeah, it starts with your, I believe it starts with your language, like your mm -hmm. actual language that you speak and the language that you tech, tell yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you say, I can't do it, it can't happen for me, it won't happen for me because of this. Even if you don't believe it right away, just tell yourself you can. And then you do it over and over and over enough. And then soon enough, you start to believe it. And that's right. where it all starts. Yeah. Well, whatever you believe is true. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So whatever you believe you can and you believe you can't, those two things are true. Mm -hmm. But whether you choose to believe that you can do it is exactly what's going to help you get it done. Mm -hmm. Because if you choose to stay on the care process, you then actually absorb that and right. it's one of those things where i've now discovered even better that even in faith right so believing most people when they think of believing they usually need to see it first so we hear the saying seeing is believing right. but really it's believing is seeing because if you can genuinely believe first then you can see because God doesn't show us the and already, right? But if we believe that, I believe that I will be speaking on stages across the world and being able to share my story and help elevate more other people's life as they get to walk by faith. That's a strong belief of mine. And mm -hmm. so as I believe that, I can then work towards that. And so it becomes like a cycle where believe and then see, right? So that in itself is one of those things that I think most people are lacking because they can't allow themselves to believe first internally and for them to see. Yeah, that is, it's, that's so good. <laughs> Such good stuff. Because that's right. why people do vision boards. I mean, it sounds so basic and I know some people laugh at it, but right. I, I've always done vision boards and let me tell you, it works. So you see it, you look at it every day, as if it's already happened, right? right, like, right. I already have that home. I already have that amount of money. And somehow you co-create with whatever it is you believe in, you have the faith that it's going to happen. And it it does, as long yeah. as you put action behind those, those thoughts. Absolutely. Well, ex what also happens is that the moment you actually put it out there, you start co-creating. Mm -hmm. And so the moment in which it's taking place, then as you work in your belief system, ultimately, 
you start taking the action steps necessary to get it done. Mm-hmm. Because now everything else you can think about is that thing. I genuinely also believe that I will get to impact thousands of lives, right? So what am I doing now? I'm going on stages, I'm speaking, I'm looking for opportunities, but then I also recognize that it's not about me. So knowing that it's not about me, if there's a time frame, I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this. Okay, the switch has to take place. And remember, it's not about you. And so that's what showing up then comes into play and ultimately allow you to be able to do the things you want to do because you then recognize you have everything you need inside of you to be able to get it done. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it is the absolute truth. It, It absolutely does work. And once you realize that and you open your mind up to it and connect, I don't know if you want to call it frequency, higher frequency, positive vibes, and you're on that um, higher level of consciousness, mm-hmm. opportunities start opening up for you. Okay. Things that you, right? If, and then you start seeing green lights. You're like, I don't know why I just met this person, but I feel like maybe there might be an opportunity here. And it gets you a little bit closer to what that dream um, is that you that you put down on paper and in your head. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there is a, 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 a higher consciousness, right? And, and uh, I choose to believe that for me personally, that this form of higher consciousness is God's presence within my life that's manifesting outwardly by having to speak out what his work inside of me and my family's life to be able to do. But I also genuinely believe that if I am allowing myself to tap into that higher consciousness, right? The 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 Holy Spirit is in a way the form that it gets to demonstrate to you, oh my God, okay. I am now super aware of everything that's around me. And with that awareness, I can make a conscious decision to be mindful and intentional about everything it is that I need to do in order for me to get to where I need to go. And I think that's the mindset shift that most people are lacking for them to be able to develop these levels of consciousness so that they can get to the way so that they can tap into where they're missing and recognize, oh my God, I have everything inside of me to mm-hmm. be able to get there. So yes. we could talk for hours, Jill. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm super pumped uh, for, for everything. Mm-hmm.